This week with no guest, I asked our own Jen Akins to pound the table for best ball rookie this season. Jen, who you pounded the table for? This week, I am pounding the table for Jordan Addison. Ah. Yeah, yes. So he's right now going a full round and change after Jackson Smith and Jigba. And he's got just as much potential, to be honest, in that Vikings offense. I mean, he's going to be basically the third target there after Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson. I mean, why not, right? You're you're spending, I think they have similar, similar potential, similar outcomes, a little bit cheaper. He is wide receiver 35 in the seventh round. So that's that's it. Jordan Addison. I love it. I love it. I mean, KJ Osborne isn't scaring anybody. I love this. Absolutely. So everybody, go get you some Jordan Addison. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles, and with me, as always, is the wonderful Jen Akins. Jen, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. I'm enjoying this. Just the two of us. A dual show this evening. I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, talk a little rookie action. You know, it's usually not my favorite topic. However, we have a lot going on with it, and so I feel like, uh, you know, the people want to know. So I think ready. this gives you an opportunity to give me all of the well-earned settle downs that I need uh, <laughs> on my rookie. Cause I've, for years you've been editing my rookie love and, and, and me going off on how much I love a rookie running back and things of that sort. This is your opportunity, Jen, no holds barred to tell me how ridiculous I am. I think this is going to be fun. <laughs> I am absolutely ready. How are you? Um, aside from, from that, you know, ready to be put in your place, but how are you otherwise? I'm doing good. Bryce Miller, uh, the new Mariners phenom pitcher, is just just brutalized the Astros yesterday. And honestly, I can't think of anything to make me happier than a young pitcher for the Mariners brutalizing the Astros. So I'm high on life. I'm doing well, Jen. You're sporting <laughs> your new Mariners hat again. So my I Mariners hat, yeah. It's gonna be at least a month of this until um right. until I, I I I work my way back into full on Dolphins fandom. But right now it's it's Mariner season. So <laughs> um. Before we get going, let's uh, we're going to talk best ball rookie targets today, but I want to tell you about 444's new YouTube membership plan. Become a member of our YouTube channel. Get access to perks such as live stream loyalty badges, exclusive emojis, priority reply to video comments, merchandise promo codes, and you get all these perks for less than $2 a month. Just join our membership program today at youtube.com slash at 444 slash join. Uh, it's fun. It's fun to follow us on YouTube and watch all the content that we have. But today, we're going to talk rookies in best ball. And specifically, we're going to talk a little bit of strategy and then talk about where these players are going, whether we liked them, where they're going there, and whether or not we're buying. Because we can all get rookie fever. I think it's a, a very common thing. And we're going to talk about some players that are definitely susceptible to rookie fever at this time. So uh, easy to do, especially this time of year. Like, there's nothing. Like, it's hard to get hyped about you know, your standard person, right? I mean, Cooper cup, sure. Great. Whatever. But you know, it's like the rookie. It, it yeah. Gives you something to do. We all, we all are guilty of it. It's me a little hope. less than others, but we are all guilty <laughs> of it. It's the hope. It gives you the hope. It's all exciting. Also, you know, this time of year you get in, into best ball drafts and a lot of those of us who are doing best ball are also doing dynasty. And we're used to drafting these rookies. We're used to getting excited about Jaden Reed and players like that, but we don't really necessarily want to prioritize that in best ball. I want to talk to you. Um, how many rookies on your best ball draft are too many, Jen? I, I, I try to kind of get a look at how many I have per position and whether or not I have too much exposure to rookies because we know most aren't going to pan out, even though some are. 
So Jen, when you're looking at your rookie exposure in best ball strategy wise, how do you kind of divvy it out or decide, or is, or is that even a factor for you? It kind of is a factor. Like in theory, it's a factor, but sometimes, you know, mid draft, especially if it's a fast 32nd, you know, per pick draft, um, I'll kind of forget and then leave the draft and be like, crap, I have like six rookies and I didn't mean to, or I won't have any. Um, but I think a few is really kind of where I like to be. Uh, you know, rookie running backs. I really like, I know you love them, but I like them. I like the later guys and and we'll get, we'll talk about those guys in in a little bit here, but I really like to target kind of the guys that, that are going to climb that depth chart later in the season, uh, possibly when, you know, veterans could get hurt from too much usage or possibly, you know, even close to the end of the season when maybe someone is not getting as much volume, uh, you know, sitting for the playoffs, that kind of thing, they'll throw that rookie in there and he'll get some volume. So especially in best ball, right? We want those spike weeks. So um, I do like to at least get one rookie running back, you know, in, in the later rounds. And I like to have a couple receivers too, because I feel like they're kind of similar. And, you know, we're all chasing that Justin Jefferson from a couple years ago, right? Where he was like a double digit pick and ended up, you know, the wide receiver, whatever. I don't remember, but so, yeah, I think, um, you know, in theory, walking into a draft, I like to have, you know, a few. And like I said, sometimes I end up with too many and sometimes I end up with two less because, you know, sometimes you got to throw it out the window when you're mid mid draft, as we all do. I feel like it used to be that rookie receivers wouldn't really hit, you know, Roddy White would take a couple of years, you know, whatever player you got. I mean, obviously you had your Brandy Mosses and players that would do well, but for the most part, you wouldn't really expect a rookie receiver to hit kind of like you don't expect a rookie quarterback to hit or a rookie tight end. And that's really changed over the past 10 years with the fact that we have so many 4,000 and even approaching 5,000 yard passers, which we didn't used to have in the nineties and, and in the early aughts and things of that sort. So it is kind of exciting to have a couple rookie receivers on your best ball rosters. I, I try to keep it to two or less at receiver, two or less at running back. Try not to have more than one quarterback or one type. Yeah, it's kind of similar even to like the old veterans. It's like on the other side of the coin, it's like all of a sudden you look at your thing, you're like, okay, I have, you know, four guys, 35 and over, <laughs> not good. You know, so it's kind of the same thing. Like you want to have a balance and sometimes, um, with those rookies, yeah, it, you can get, like you said, right? We all have rookie fever, and especially if you're drafting now, like in May, some of these guys are on the tip of your tongue because we keep talking about them and we keep reading about them, and the draft just happened, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I have four rookie running backs in a row. That's not exactly a great plan. And then you forget, you know, because you look at the rookies and and the names are there, and you don't know what you're getting necessarily. So there's all that hope, but sometimes it's a good idea to just take. Uh, Adam Thielen or to just yep. take a player who's going to get some actual points for you. So uh, it, it's good to g- get an idea and have that balance that we're talking about. It sounds like both of us are writing that like no more than six and a couple running backs, couple receivers kind of thing. Um, I was going to say, I, I looked at our friend Pat Corain's $2 million lineup, right? And oh, okay. he had, he had a build for, for best ball mania. He won $2 million, uh, had a three, five, eight, two build, right? So if you're doing three quarterbacks and two tight ends, like is there room for rookies in that type of a build? Is that is that still the optimal build? Is that what we're looking at? And are there room for rookies at those two onesie positions? You know, I think that I think that there is no well, I don't know. To me, I don't think there's there is an optimal build because I think it really just depends on who you're drafting. If you're gonna take Josh Allen, you don't need three quarterbacks, in my opinion. If you're going to shoot for later on, then yes, why not grab, you know, say 
two two middle of the road, you know, say a Geno Smith and a Jared Goff or whatever, and then you can grab a rookie at the end for your third. That's kind of where I go. But and same thing with tight end. Like I, I'll take three tight ends if I'm going bargain, you know, bargain basement hunting. But if I take Kelsey, I'm not taking a third tight end because there, there's just no reason for it. So that's kind of how I approach it. So I think it just kind of, you know, a depends on where you're drafting from, right? Your draft spot determines that as well. And then once you're in the mix, um, if you decide to pay up for quarterback, then I, I, I mean, this is me. I usually stick with two. I don't go with the third, uh, unless it's super flex, of course, which is a whole different animal. But I mean, if we're just talking straight up regular, you know, best ball mania, you know, one quarterback, uh, that's what I do. But you know, Pat also won two million dollars with three, and I don't know who his quarterbacks were. Do you have that in front of you? Yeah, he had Brady, Tua Tagovailoa, and Daniel Jones. So that made sense. That would have been a build that we probably would have gone through. Exactly. Last year, now, if so. he would have had Mahomes or, you know, or Allen or Jalen Hurts or whatever, he probably wouldn't have grabbed that third tight end, or I mean that third quarterback. So, you know, I think, um, you know, for I will say, though, as far as the middle positions, you know, I like to have a couple more wide receivers than I do running backs. But once again, it also is the same deal, right? If you if you draft Christian McCaffrey, then I'm probably only taking, you know, five running backs. If I'm going to dip a little lower, then I'll go with six or seven if I don't have that stud running back. Yeah, and, you know, he had uh, George Kittle as his tight end, which makes sense why he'd only have two tight ends, right? And I, I'm kind of with you. If you're paying up early, and the thought process behind that is in this type of tournament play, you need your t- your roster to pan out. So if, you're, if right. you take I mean, Josh Allen and Josh Allen doesn't pan out, your team is probably already screwed. So exactly. why take the uh, why take the, the insurance there? C-Slave, uh, Fantasy Football Garage, thanks for joining us. C-Slave, I promised we were going to talk about Bajan Robinson in a little while uh, ad nauseum. So we will get to your question there a little bit later, but I'm going to save it because there's a couple things I want to talk about. First, uh, I've been seeing the two-quarterback build quite a bit you said you really focus on that uh we'll talk about this because the first guy i want to talk about is anthony richardson when i look at adp and i look at rookies his name just pops out because he's going as the qb10 right now pick 86 he's going ahead of guys like dak prescott and it's just a, a a high draft pick for anthony richardson and some people are very on board it's it's uh a strong contingent of people who really, really support Anthony Richardson think he's worth the value. Where do you stand on Richardson in that Colts offense and whether or not he's worth paying up for? I, I yeah. So <laughs> we had a, I did an industry mock draft. Uh, the, we did this over the week. Actually we did it on Friday and that was one of the write-ups that I did because Scott fish took Anthony Richardson as QB nine in that draft um, ahead of Dak Prescott ahead of Tua ahead of, you know, and I just, I mean, okay. So <clears throat> Jim Irsay has said that Anthony Richardson will start games, not how many, not from day one, but will start games at some point in the season. I just, I don't know. I think he's, you know, listen, Anthony Richardson had a fantastic combine, right? He absolutely did. He can run, he could throw. Yes. He had a great combine. He played one year at Florida, right? Starting it just scares me too much. I mean, give me Dak, give me Tua over him. If I'm drafting there, I just don't, I don't know. I mean, what if, I mean, listen, in theory, you'd think that he should be able to beat out Gardner Minshew for that starting job. He should. What if he doesn't, you know, what if he's not ready? What if it just doesn't happen? What if he doesn't take to the playbook? What if he doesn't take to the NFL right away? Then all of a sudden you've got a guy that, you know, 
may come in in week six or seven if they're losing, which they probably will. Maybe not. So I just feel like for that kind of draft capital as QB 10, I guess, on underdog, and I would rather get a proven veteran. Um, you know, and the thing is, I'm not anti Richardson in general. Like I would have drafted him where he was going. Like I'm, I'd be cool with him as my QB two, but going in there as as my number one guy in my on my team, not for me. See, and I I I don't want him until he's my QB three, which just his ADP throws him completely out of that for me because I I don't think he beats Gardner Minshew. Maybe he does later in the season. I mean, Maybe the Colts should, stink. but you know, I mean, yeah, I mean. The Colts, they've got a good roster. They really do. It's why they were so disappointing last year, right? And Matt Ryan was so bad. Like, Gardner Minshew doesn't even have to be that good to be better than Matt Ryan last year. So Shane Steichen comes over. Minshew knows that offense. And sure, you know, Minshew's one and three as a starter under Steichen. Like, I, I get that. And his numbers aren't great. But his he's got a career 44 to 15 touchdown to interception ratio. Like, the guy knows how to take care of the football when you need him to. He knows how to make plays. And he's got Michael Pittman. He's got Alec Pierce. He's got 45 tight ends that we're going to scratch our heads every week, trying yes. to figure out which one has value. Mm -hmm. And Jonathan Taylor and a, and a really good interior and he has offensive Josh line. Downs now. Right? You know, Josh Downs, Downs yeah. Option, yeah. Really solid slot receiver, which we'll probably bring up later as well. I, I, I'm not convinced that Anthony Richardson starts this year. He might. But I mean, I, I think he'll start at some point, but I don't yeah. know if it makes it enough to have him be a, a fantasy tight end one, which is where he's being drafted. It just, you know. And listen, we, we might both eat crow and he might be like the end all be all generational QB of all time, but I'm, I'd rather give me Dak ahead of him. Right. So. Yeah. Every single day of the week. And and let me ask you this, like, would it shock you if the Colts won this division? Like, would that be shocking to you? No, but that division is gross. Like yeah. it wouldn't shock me at all. Right. Yeah. No. So if there, we could see like last year, right. Where Atlanta was trotting out Marcus Mariota, despite him playing terribly all season, like they were trotting out Mariota because they were still in the playoff hunt. Cause right. the NFC South was so <laughs> awful. Right. It could be that way. The Jags might not be for real. The Texans we know are probably at least a year away from competitive ball. And the Titans look like they're on the way down right now. So I, I, am not I'm not I would not be surprised if we're looking at week 10 Colts are kind of fiddling around 500 and still in the playoff race and Gardner Minshew's still the starter because he's not a bad quarterback and he knows the offense so yeah uh, I I think it's it's yeah it's baffling to me that all of a sudden Anthony Richardson is just being yeah being drafted as if he's the clear number one guy there and that he's going to you know provide fantasy points week in week out I mean it just especially in best ball when you can't do anything about it. It's you can't drop him for the waiver wire. You can't bench him. You know, he's your QB one like no. Yeah. And, and that's where you're drafting him. If you're drafting yeah. him there, you know, uh, wait a couple rounds, take Kirk cousins in that spot, in that spot, take James cook, take Cortland Sutton, somebody that's going to actually get you a little bit more, a uh, little bit more activity. No, I'm with you. I, I was interested to, to find out if we'd be on the same page uh, with Anthony Richardson, given the fact that he's, so loved right now. So I, I get, and I get the rushing upside. I absolutely do. But I just think we're going to see that in 2024 and not 2023. <laughs> uh, other guys that you got to pay up for Dalton Kincaid. I know you wrote an article about Dalton Kincaid. I know we aren't completely on the same uh, wavelength with him as far as fantasy potential. Uh, so where, where do you stand on Kincaid right now going as the tight end 11? That's where it gets me. I like Kincaid. And when I wrote that article, he was not the tight end 11. <laughs> I think that's a lit. I mean, that's, that's pricey. I mean, that's pretty much his ceiling at this point. And that's a little scary 
to take him there. I was a fan when he was like 16, 17 in that range. I was like, all right, he's a tight end two with tight end one upside. You know, if they decide to use Dawson Knox as more of a blocker and then Kincaid is, you know, is the pass catcher there tight end wise. I was all about it. Tight end 11 is a little steep for me. I feel like that's his ceiling. Uh, so I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm out at that price, but if he climbs any higher, I think I, I'm out, but I do like him. I think it's a great landing spot and I'm excited to see, you know, what they do with him in that bill's offense. Uh, but tight end 11 is kind of steep. Hey, he's going ahead of Dalton Schultz right now, which, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of options there. And then you could wait a couple rounds. You can get Greg Dulcich, who I, I think has a lot, just as much upside in that yeah, offense. Yeah, Dalton Schultz is, I don't know. It's, it's Dalton Schultz is a bummer. I just, as we know, <laughs> well, just the history of that Texan. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's a different regime now. We have a different coach, all of that. But, um, you know, Houston tight end is not a is not a fantasy uh, match made in heaven there. <laughs> you don't get a lot of Texan tight end action. So it's a little bummer with, with Dalton Schultz. So I can kind of see why he's going ahead of him a little bit. But give me Juwan Johnson like 10 rounds later. Yeah, I like that. You know, take a few. I've got a – we'll talk about this later. I've got a late-round tight end that I'm targeting as well as as my tight end two or three, depending on who my first uh, tight end taken is. But, uh, you know, just a few a few numbers to note that go along the line with what Jen and I are talking about here. You know, Dawson Knox's finishes as the tight end. Tight end 14, tight end 8, 37, 31 the last four years, right? So tight end 8, obviously, really nice season for him. Saw some touchdown regression, went down. Uh, you look at the second best receiver on the Bills offense, right? You had Gabe Davis, 28th, wide receiver 28 last year. The previous three years were all Cole Beasley, wide receiver 46, 26, and 34. This is a, the Stefan Diggs show, and Josh Allen spreads the ball around. So I do understand a Dalton Kincaid uh, spike week, chasing spike weeks, but tight end 11, I think Jen is right. I think that this is going to be the ceiling that you're drafting him at. And I think it's going to be hard for him to consistently put up any kind of numbers. So in best ball, pay up for him maybe, but I'd much rather pay up for one of the other guys who's going to give you the same spike weeks and is not going to be quite as much of a disappointment based on where the expectations are. So we're on, we're simpatico on that one, Jed. I wasn't sure. I thought maybe you might be a little higher on Kincaid than me. No, I was, like I said, I was, but once he got to 11, that's tough. Uh, all right, C-Slave. Uh, Bijan Robinson, let's do it, Jen. We've talked about this a little bit. He has risen to the RB2 in best ball. Uh, 6.7 ADP. I love rookie running backs. I love them. Love them. I draft them. Uh, would happily take him uh, at the back end of the first round because I'm crazy like that. However, RB2 is a lot. You're taking him ahead of Austin Eckler, and you're taking him ahead of Christian McCaffrey, or I guess uh, second after Christian McCaffrey. I don't know. Jen, is there any rationale for this? Not for me. I mean, you know, I was out on him when he was, you know, RB six or something a couple of weeks ago before his true. landing spot. Now, Very true. Um, yeah, no, I, I, no. And, and I understand, <laughs> like, I understand the talent there. I absolutely do. But the guy's never taken a snap, you know, in the NFL. And that's just, it's too scary to me to just put, especially that early. I mean, as I told you before, we did an, I did an industry mock and uh, Shane Manila from DLF, he took him at one four. Like he, he took him as the fourth player off the board. Um, and I was flabbergasted. It's just too early for me. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the Falcons are just, I don't trust. I, 
I don't know. It's tough for me. I just don't trust that offense yet. I don't trust. I just don't. Tr I don't trust Ritter to run the offense properly. I don't trust. You know, the, I don't trust that Tyler Algier is going to just go away completely either. So, I just feel like I'm down with with Robinson, like as like a second rounder or something. Like, great rookie, here we go. But like as the fourth to sixth pick overall, it's a little too rich for me. I would rather, you know, take Jamar Chase or you know. Kelsey, even whoever, whoever's there at that spot. This is definitely going to be a year where I'm probably going to go receiver in the first round. It's just going to be who I am. Uh, again, I liked Bajan Robinson at the turn. I'm kind of with you, but fourth overall is pretty steep for me, even for me, <laughs> um, because I, I don't think Tyler Algier is completely going away. I think Bajan Robinson is going to get a full workload, but I think Arthur Smith understands that having multiple backs is a good idea. I think he wants to run the ball and I think Robinson's going to be great. I think he's going to be really good. I don't think it's going to be a full on committee. Like I don't think it's good. I think Robinson's going to get 15 touches a game at least uh, probably some in the passing game as well. Uh, I also don't know that the Falcons are going to be good enough to be able to stay in, in running situations and they've got Kyle Pitts. Yeah, they've got Drake too. London. Mm -hmm. uh, Cordero, Cordero Patterson, I don't think is completely going away either. Not that I think he cuts into it or takes over, but I think he might steal just enough to keep Bajan Robinson uh, from getting the type of volume that like Saquon Barkley gets or something like that. So uh, I, I'm with you. It's a little rich for me, even though I really love rookie running backs. Uh, another guy, a, a little too rich for me, Jamar Gibbs is shot up. Uh, draft boards. It's insane how high he's going at this point. I was looking, and Gibbs is the RB13 now, going at 36.9. That's really high for a, a, a rookie running back, especially one that doesn't have the same every down potential that Bajan Robinson has. Uh, are you buying Gibbs at that high, high number? Once again, no. I, it's tough, though, because you look at the Lions and you're like, okay, they spent a lot of their draft capital on him. So you think, okay, he's going to get that monster volume as a first round pick in the NFL draft. But at the same time, I mean, they have a couple other bodies in there. It's not like, I don't know. I, I, I like, it's tough because he's not as expensive as Robinson, obviously. So you're not giving up that, that much, but you're still giving up what a third round pick. Yeah, and you're taking him over guys like Najee Harris and Amari Cooper and 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 DJ Moore and if you want to go quarterback, you know Joe Burrow's going later than that. Um, right. All those guys are going ahead of Kenneth Walker, which we'll talk about the Seattle running back situation later. But uh, it's scary. It's scary to invest that high of a pick in a, in a rookie, especially a rookie who's entering a committee because David Montgomery's there. Like that's yeah, happening. And they gave him a decent amount of money to be there as well. So um, I think that. Yeah. I mean, I think like, once again, if, if he's, if he was more of a fourth, fifth rounder, I'd, I'd be more into it, but I think where he's going now and he may continue to climb. I mean, that's the thing it's, you know, I was doing, I have a article, you guys that are listening, you go check it out. It, it came out this morning on four for four. It's uh, the, the biggest risers and followers in ADP over the last week, basically since the draft. It's only, I mean, it's been one week since the draft. So ADP is kind of shifting and moving and he may even climb more, which is a little bit, you know, even scarier. Um, you know, I think, yeah, I just, I feel like he, he's, he's getting a little too rich for me. 
And there are reasons to like him. Like I get 403 available carries, 105 available running back targets in the Detroit passing game. So there's things to like. But David Montgomery is going to eat a lot of that. And I also am starting to get a little concerned about Detroit Lion fever. Like I like the Lions and I I like Jared Goff. I like Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, I think that there's things to like there. But this isn't an offense that carried a lot of fantasy uh, options last year, consistent fantasy producers last year. We had Amon Ra and we had Jamal Williams and Jared Goff was solid. And that's pretty much all we did. And so it's hard for me to say we're going to buy into Sam Laporta and we're going to buy into Jameer Gibbs and we're going to buy into David Montgomery and Amon Ra and Jamison Williams when he comes back from the suspension. I think at some point there's the, there's going to be some sort of breaking point on all these targets. And I, I'm not going to pay that much for Gibbs as a result. I don't think he's going to catch the hundred balls that people are starting to talk about. And I, I I'm excited for the kid. I'm going to look for him to do well and be a, a big part of the offense, but ahead of the players that he's being drafted ahead of. I'm just not interested. Yeah. I'm with you there. Once again, we are, we are in agreeance. We're kind of big bummers on these. Yeah. We're not fighting right now. Maybe we will in a bit, (laughs) but I think we can, I expected you to be more all in on all these guys just because you're the, you're the rookie running back. They're going, they're going too high. I, I just are. can't like when Saquon Barkley came out, I was able to like, I drafted him like as the RB five and, and people thought I was crazy, right? But like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I RB two is tough. RB two for a rookie is really really tough. Uh, let's talk about those four first round receivers. Uh, let's start with Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, wide receiver 59, 58.3. You got to pay a little for him. He's it's not a super high cost, but you got to pay a little for him in that Seattle offense. Is he worth the cost for you? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I like him actually. Um, I, I think he landed, you know, landed in a great spot with Seattle. I feel like he's in a good spot to stack right in, in best ball because Geno Smith is once again, completely undervalued. I mean, I think he's QB 16 right now and that's just off the top of my head. I could be wrong, but um, you know, and I feel like he's going to end up yeah, listen, if he plays the same as he did last year, I mean, Geno Smith, we've seen the tale of several Geno Smiths, but if he plays as he did last year, uh, he could, you know, easily be in fantasy tight end one or fantasy quarterback one territory. Um, and, you know, if you miss out on DK Metcalf, I feel like JSN is a really good option there for cheaper. Uh, and, I, you know, there's a lot of, you know, they've been searching kind of for that guy um, to slide into that offense. Tyler Lockett's getting a little older their tight end, you know, game is kind of garbage. So I feel like JSN. Yeah. I like him there. He's going ahead of Tyler Lockett, which is really interesting. Yeah. He wasn't obviously before uh, the landing spot, but he is now. So Tyler Lockett's actually a good value as well. Now, if he has slipped below, I mean, he is getting a little older, but he's always, you know, I mean, he's consistent. He's last year. Nobody wanted him. Um, and he just, he ended up being great as always, you know, we're unofficially called the Chris Carson and Tyler Lockett podcast. Yeah, like, <laughs> kind of are. And I, you know, I always find myself gravitating towards Tyler Lockett because he's it, it comes up on my turn and there he is, you know, and I'm like, all right, I guess I'm going to have him again. And, uh, you know, and I feel like that offense, you know, if, like I said, if Geno Smith from last year shows up again, uh, those guys are in good shape. I, I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I, right. I like I like the talent. Uh, I think it's a 2024 pick. I think that the volume in Seattle isn't going to be there. I think they want to run the ball. They they drafted a running back in the second round two years in a row. Pete Carroll loves to run the ball. I think that he's going to have some spike weeks, but I think it's still going to be Lockett and Metcalf uh, getting most of the looks this year. 
and he's going ahead of guys like I really like Brandon Ayuk. I think Brandon Ayuk in that draft area is is an underrated target. Someone nobody's talking about. You can get him a little bit late. You can have him. Yeah, (laughs) had a quietly productive year last year. I I think that uh, he saw Mike Evans is going beyond George Pickens. I'm I'm real high on George Pickens this year. I'm gonna I know uh, that'll make you happy, but George Pickens is a guy I really like this year. I just rather take the guys that are going after Marquise Hollywood Brown. You know Jordan Addison, your boy Addison's going after. No, absolutely. I mean, listen, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not taking JSN every time. Yeah, sure. Will I have some exposure? Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll have him in dynasty. I'll buy that 1.05, 1.06 spot that he's going in a lot of dynasty leagues, Uh, super flex, right? Higher in non-super flex leagues, but uh, I'll buy him there. And and I'm excited about him. I like the talents and all that, but this year, uh, I don't think we see the same Gino. I don't think we see passing volume. I think we see a, a quality Seattle team that isn't quite as ripe for fantasy production as we saw last year, especially at the receiver position. So that's where I am with JSN, Jen. Uh, Let's go. Uh, You talked about Jordan Addison a lot. I'll just say that I agree with you on Jordan Addison. Um, I I don't know what to do with him as far as like a a prospect profile perspective. Like I look at him and he, he just... He looks like a difficult prospect to figure out what he's going to be as a pro. Maybe like a really good wide receiver too, but Minnesota re- needs a really good wide receiver too. And Kirk Cousin throws the ball a lot. And so I think Jordan Addison's probably in the best position amongst those four first-round wide receivers to succeed as a rookie. Uh, the other guys probably, you know, bad spots or or low on the depth chart. Quentin Johnston probably going to start out wide receiver three on that Los Angeles Chargers depth chart. He's going, he's a little cheaper. You can get him as the wide receiver 43, pick 88 behind Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Uh, are you buying Quentin Johnston at that in that territory? Yeah, I think so. Why not? I mean, I hate to throw out the injury prone label, but like both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen certainly, you know, can find themselves on the sidelines. So, uh, yeah, and Josh Palmer is Josh Palmer, and you know, I don't is Jalen Guyton still there? He was hurt all last year. I think he's technically still on the roster. But so, yeah, I, I just feel like you know Quentin Johnson for that. Johnston for that ADP. Why not? I mean, there's definitely potential there. I mean, Justin Herbert can throw the ball. That's for sure. So, uh, you know, if one of those guys goes down, he has a chance to move up, but even if he doesn't, like you said, he's probably the wide receiver three anyway in that offense. So why not? Palmer had 107 targets last year. Uh, Deandre Carter vacated 46 targets. I I can't imagine Palmer had all those targets and Mike Williams missed time and Keaton Allen missed time. But was there ever a point where we looked at a game and we said, Josh Palmer is, is emerging. This is something. No, because I will tell you, I was excited about him going into the season and I had him on every redraft team and he sat on my bench and I was, he was the, like the debate. Do I drop this week? Do I not drop dead weight? Not dead weight. Okay, do I start him? He was he annoyed me all season. He was he was he was rough, and of course I never picked the right weeks, and you know one of those. So um, no, I don't think he's broken out or emerged, um, and he's had the chance. So and he had a couple of decent weeks. I was actually looking at his uh, stats earlier today um, when I was writing that Risers and Fallers article, and I think he had two games of over a hundred yards and one like in the nineties, something like that. And I'm with you. I, I'm buying Johnston here, and I'm actually not a big Johnston fan as a pro, as a prospect. But he's first round capital, good good landing spot as far as a pass happy offense. I agree with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, not exactly uh, Iron Men as far as I obviously I root for them to stay healthy. And then you look at the other guys going around him. I mean, Brandon Cooks, Jahan Dotson, Zay Flowers, fellow rookie, which we'll get to, Cortland Sutton, uh, Jamison Williams. Like this is these are the guys. Like they 
they could all bust. So uh, might as well sprinkle in some Quentin Johnson. Brandon Cooks, man. I don't know if I can go there anymore. In Dallas, it's tough, right? Because uh, where are those targets coming from? broken my thing? heart year mm-hmm. after year after year, you know? Last year got, was really gotta tough. got to pull the plug. Yeah. <laughs> I stuck myself into him every year. Like, all right, target monster. Here we go. And then. Last year was extra disappointing. Last yeah, year yeah, was very sure. disappointing. So, was, yeah. Is that is that part of your Houston offense? Uh, you know, what's the, what, what what's the word like? The fact that you're so concerned about the Houston offense and buying into it is it is this all just Brandon Cooks PTSD? I think it might be like a residual P. I, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't think my I think it's like the recency bias, residual PTSD, all of it lumped into one. Just I don't know. My, my body and my brain will not allow me to to get excited about anybody. I'll take Damian Pierce here and there, sure. Yeah. You know, yep. but uh, uh, in, in best ball, I'll take Devin Singletary too because I think he's going to get touches and he's so cheap. You can get him so free. I'll put yeah, him at the back say, end of my I roster. I don't think I've I don't think I've taken him once yet this season. Yeah, no. I think he gets touches. He's a good old back, Devin Singletary. People yeah. don't like him, but he he puts up good games. So, uh, and he's free. He's very free. Yeah. So. I, I don't even remember seeing him in the <laughs> honestly i haven't taken him once yeah like, it's true <laughs> uh zay flowers uh another guy i love zay flowers as a prospect that's the difference between these other guys hate that he landed in baltimore obviously todd monken comes over we don't know what baltimore is going to do uh as far as i know, using I, I know a fair amount about todd monken just you know yeah absolutely um so, so tell me like should we be hopeful for Zay Flowers uh, in this Baltimore offense now that we've got Monk in there? I don't know. <laughs> There's your answer. I don't know. Um, and it's funny. I've had actually several people ask me about Todd Munkin. And, you know, he likes big explosive plays. Like, I just don't know. I don't know. This offense is, has always been tough to read. And then you add a new person in the mix um, calling the plays. I, It's so difficult. You've got Odell Beckham there now. You have Rashad Bateman. You have Zay Flowers. Um, you have the usual menagerie of of running backs that they have over there too. So and Mark Andrews and Mark is Andrews. still the wide receiver right. one, basically. Exactly. So. And Isaiah Likely is probably you know maybe even get a, a bigger role there if they do you know two tight end sets. I don't know. That uh, offense is is difficult to figure out. And I, and to be completely honest with you, I've kind of just avoided it this whole off season because I just I don't know. You know, now that Lamar is solidified and whatnot, I, I should probably invest a little bit in that offense, but. Uh, Throughout the earlier part of this offseason, I just kind of avoided it altogether. Rashad Bateman's going a full round later. Now, obviously, Bateman has injury concerns uh, based on the first two years that he's had in the league. But when he's when he's played, he's either racked up targets or hit up a big uh, a big play. So uh, I'm kind of buying Bateman around later instead of Flowers, even though I really like the talent. I just I don't think Bateman's going away if he's healthy. And right now, he seems like he's healthy. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, we know this offense. I mean, sure, they could sit here and say that they're going to throw more, but are they really? Who knows? It could just be Andrews or Andrews or nothing again, um, you know, with a little bit of OBJ sprinkled in here and there, and um, Flowers could kind of end up on the outside with not a lot of volume. Yeah. So so those receivers were the last spot that I was looking at these players and thinking to myself, okay, that you got to kind of pay up, right? So uh, everyone else, I think, is at least falls into some level of a value, uh, so let's talk about uh, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. We could talk about the two of them uh, together. QB 22, QB 26, respectively, uh, picks 151 and 172. So you could wait a long time. In what situations are you targeting either or both of them? I really kind of am not. Uh, I feel like at that level, 
honestly, I'd rather take Baker or I'd rather take, yeah, I, I you know, even Darnold, to be honest with you, um, maybe some Jacoby Brissett. I don't know. I mean, I, I need to kind of tweak my thinking now that, now that they have homes and, and now that, you know, but like, like, like we've said, I'm not big on the Houston offense as it is um, as far as Stroud goes. And uh, I mean, Bryce Young, I, actually, I think I, I might try to mix him in a little bit because I think he's got some decent weapons there. And we'll talk about um, that, I guess, in a little bit, because they, they do have a rookie uh, uh, wide out that, that I like. So I don't know. I just feel like um, they're okay. But I feel like when it when you're gambling that late and you're kind of throwing darts at your QB3 or QB4, I'd rather go with a veteran there. And that's just me. Um, even though both of them are going to be starting, so they're more guaranteed than Richardson. So I guess I should kind of change my mindset. Maybe I just did right now on the podcast. Stroud especially is probably going to start day one. Like I'd be shocked if they trot out Davis Mills again this year. Uh, now Bryce Young, they've said Andy Dalton is going to start week one, which is really interesting that they're doing that. Uh, I don't think the Carolina Panthers are going to win enough for Dalton to keep that job very long. We've, We've seen what Andy Dalton has brought to an offense for the past few years, and it's it's not great. And Carolina isn't really built to win right now, so I'm a little more bullish on Bryce on seeing Bryce Young by week six. So, uh, so Bryce Young is right now an an active part of my three quarterback builds. He's he's the third quarterback a lot. C.J. Stroud, I've mixed in to my two quarterback builds when I get a really solid starter, just because I think I think the offense is going to I think he's going to have a really long leash. I think that the offense is going to uh, work for him. I think that the targets there aren't quite as bad as we think. I'm not, I'm not high on Houston, but no, I, yeah, I, I think it. Nico Collins, Dalton Schultz, Damian Pierce, Devin Singletary, that quartet, I think is enough. They've got a pretty good offensive line. So I think Stroud will Robert stay Woods, upright and throw in? a lot. So hmm? Robert Woods. Robert Woods, yeah, Robert Woods is their <laughs> great blocking receiver. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Robert Woods, uh, but I think I, I think Stroud, I think Stroud's going to be a little better than his ADP. He's probably the rookie to- quarterback that I'm targeting right now because he's available like a couple rounds after or a round after Bryce Young, and uh, and I can get him as if I really if I've got Josh Allen or I've got Patrick Mahomes or I've got one of those top quarterbacks i'm okay with cj stroud being my number two because i think he's gonna be there on the bye week <laughs> the only people like i'm totally i just keep scooping up i can't stop drafting baker i know it's ridiculous but i'm just like he has weapons kyle trask is not gonna beat him out for that job, <laughs> you know? he's gonna be there at some point now he may lose the job you know they may bring in a veteran or something as the season goes on and look, who knows? Baker may even end up on another team at the end of the season and and put up fantasy points there. You never it's know. Possible. It's so possible. So I just, you know, he's so cheap, and I'm like, if if he pans out, you know, if if he actually plays, you know, X amount of games, you're looking at Godwin and Evans and and Kate Otten, who by you know I've been pairing him with Kate Otten, who's ridiculously cheap too. So I've been we're, doing that oh, stack. At we're the gonna end. get to Kate Otten, my oh, okay. friend. Oh, was we he? Gonna get was to he, he, he yeah. I I I, have, I think I've drafted Kate Otten in every league that I've I have drafted. a lot. I had to stop because I was like, I have too much no. Baker Kate Otten. Like that's been my you know QB three tight end you know two or tight end three combo for like almost every you know early early best ball so I had to I had to restrict myself from taking Otten but that combo is just so easy and so cheap and um you know I, I get it you see the name Baker Hayfield and you're like nah but when you really think about it you're like okay there he is he's got this Tampa Bay offense 
Kyle Trask is not good, you know, he has and has no experience. So I just don't see him winning that job in training camp. Great weapons in that Tampa Bay offense, right? e- I mean, even right down to the pass catching running back Rashad White, who I'm oh, a fan. Yeah, so. exactly. So I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, he's secretly like in a really good spot and he's really cheap. So I just can't stop taking him. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Will Levis is going QB 34. Uh, we know Ryan Tannehill is probably there one more year and probably just one more year. Uh, is Will Levis too risky to sprinkle in or are you sprinkling him in occasionally? Because he does have the rushing upside. He does, but I, honestly, like, I'd rather take Tannehill. Like, if we're in that situation, because yeah. I'm like, Tannehill, at least you know he's going to play mm-hmm. for a while, if not the whole time. Um, yeah, really till he gets hurt, I, I'm yeah, guessing. Yeah, you so. know, so he may have those spike weeks. I mean, definitely not as a QB1 or a QB2, but I'll take Tannehill late once again, you know, if I need to. Um, I don't think I I don't think I have drafted uh, Will Levis yet, and I, I don't know that I will. Yeah, I, I, you know, in Dynasty, I'm grabbing him at the top of the second round. I think that's good value. That's a good spot because I do think he will start in 2024. Uh, and the talent is there, even if it's it's raw and even if the bust potential is high. But you're right. In redraft best ball, I'm not. I, I just don't think it's going to be there. Now, Tannehill doesn't exactly have a sterling reputation for staying on the field. And the Titans could be really bad. And if those two things, you know, come to a head, we could see Levis this year. But if it gets that dire... I don't know that Levis is going to have a tremendous amount of success either. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, last year, you know, we had a, a similar situation, right? With Malik Willis, everyone was drafting him and was ready. And then Tannehill ended up just playing. Yep. So most of most of the, and then he got yeah, hurt and, he and all yeah. that, but whatever. Um, no, I'm with you. Uh, so that's kind of the quarterbacks. Now tight ends, there's a bunch of them there. I want to kind of highlight a few, uh, and just kind of let you talk about any one that you are buying because they're all available really late. So it's really a matter of you can pick one of these guys if you want to just choose when to draft them and they're there. So we've got Michael Mayer as the tight end 21, uh, Sam Laporta is the tight end 23, Luke Musgrave tight end 33, and Luke Schoonmaker tight end 34. Uh, all guys with the potential to win a starting job early, all guys with athleticism, pass catching ability. Um, are you buying or sprinkling in any of these guys? Anyone you have a, as a favorite? Yeah, I, I mean, we know, right? I mean, we've said this ad nauseum that, that rookie tight ends rarely pan out for fantasy. So I'm not eagerly super stoked about any of them, but I feel like you have to kind of sprinkle some of them in because I feel like, you know, one or two may hit and they may, you know, especially for those those big weeks, you may have a random week where one gets three touchdowns out of nowhere and he's sitting at the bottom of your roster. Why not? But, um, you know, as far as which ones I like the best, I mean, opportunity wise, I feel like I like Sam Laporta. I think he's got, you know, I know you already said you're not really super into the Detroit offense, but um, with Jamison Williams, I I am. I just feel like we can't expect everybody to do well. Right. (laughs) No, but you know, you've got Jamison Williams sitting out for the first six weeks. So I feel like, you know, Sam Laporta, if he, you know, takes to the NFL and takes to the offense and all of that and can actually learn how to be a a professional tight end uh you know he has a great opportunity for targets there you know i think that i mean michael mayer like vegas i don't know people are super excited about it i don't i'm not as much i don't know why but um i feel like you know jacoby myers is that now there hunter renfro you've got Devonta adams i don't know with jimmy g i'm not sure how much how much how much leftover volume there will be for him there so i'm not as stoked on him 
um, as Laporta. And then um, who else are we looking at? Oh, Musgrave and uh, let's see. Musgrave, Schoomaker, and really anybody else, like any of yeah, those like crafts, like whoever else you want to Right, right, up. right. I think, you know, Schoomaker is a little bit um, intriguing, right? I mean, there's an opening. There's an opening. I mean, Jake Ferguson is Jake Ferguson, right? So I feel like there is an opening for him to come in there and, and earn that role. And, and Dalton Schultz, you know, really that that spot has had a lot of volume over the last however many years with Dak, whether it was Jeff Swaim or, you know, uh, Blake Jarwin. Is that Blake right? Blake Jarwin. Nice. Nice pull. I just, I just pulled that <laughs> out of somewhere. Um, yeah. I mean, those guys have always had volume there. So I feel like there's an opportunity there. And then you've got the two guys – in uh, Green Bay as well. You've got uh, Musgrave and uh, Tucker Craft. Tucker Craft. I wanted to say Tyler Croft, but that's somebody else. Um, tight end, though, also, right? Tyler Croft? Yes, yes. Okay. Very good. Jets <laughs> and uh, Vikings, yeah. I think. Similar name, but not really. But yeah, I mean, they're all kind of darts. I mean, I feel like in your portfolio, you know, if you're only doing one best ball draft, maybe take none. But if you are, you know, in your portfolio, I would sprinkle them all in. Um, at some point, along with a little Kincaid, you know, just to, um, you know, because you never know. I mean, in recent years, we've had rookie tight ends at least crawl into tight end two territory. You know, there's only been a few that have ever been tight end ones. But, you know, the last couple of years, Pat Fryermuth did it. Uh, Greg Dulcich did it last year. So, I mean, it, it can happen where you get some good weeks out of these guys. So um, I'm not opposed to any of them, really. Yeah, you know, the fact that they're so cheap makes them appealing, right? And especially you brought up Laporta. Uh, Laporta is someone who I kind of thought would shoot up draft boards. And the fact that he didn't puts him still on the board for me. If he was going around where Dalton Kincaid was, which is where I was kind of expecting him to land uh, after he landed in Detroit, since they have such a glaring hole at the position. Uh, and he does profile as a receiving tight end. That's how he profiles. So, uh, but the fact that he's going where he is, I I'm definitely going to, to sprinkle him in. And then I, I'm a little different than you on Michael Mayer. I, I love Michael Mayer. I think he's an absolute steal at tight end 21. I think that he won't need to be, well, I think he's ready to play right away in a way that most rookie tight ends, uh, uh, you know, are not and, because he can block so well. So the fact that he blocks really well and runs good routes, he was super productive. Uh, he had nine touchdowns last season, seven the year before. He's a three-year starter, got better every year. I think Mayer in that Raiders offense doesn't need to be phenomenal to be a value here. I think that he's going to be a top 12 tight end easy. Like, he's not going to be a top – yeah, he's not going to be a top five, top six tight end, but – you want to Darren Waller's gone. I'm not a I'm not a Austin Hooper fan. I know you should like we do Austin a little Hooper. should we should we do a little wager on Kincaid versus Mayer? Yeah, I'll okay. do that. Yeah, Mayer finishes ahead of Kincaid. Absolutely. Okay. Now, um injuries will void the bet. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. So just making Game, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. We will come up with the stakes. And uh, listeners, if you have an idea for stakes, we are open to those stakes. But yeah, Mayor over Kincaid. I'm, right. I'm there. So Sounds good. <laughs> works for me. Uh, he's also, like I said, tight end 21 makes a big difference for me. The fact for that sure. he's tight end 21. So he's going around Irv Smith and Gerald Everett. I'm very, very happy to take a stab at Michael Mayer there. And I'm okay with him as my tight end too in, in a good build. If I've got a really good tight end, I'm okay with Mayer or Laporta at that. What cost is a really there. good tight end though, Brandon? Let's be it's, real. Right. That's, it's that's it's Travis it Kelsey. That's it. It's just Travis Kelsey. <laughs> so. uh, whereas those other guys are dart throws in, in three tight end builds for me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to touch Schoonmaker or Musgrave or anything like that in two tight end builds. So. No. Um, 
Kate Otten's the guy I'm targeting. He's my late tight end. He's my, like we talked about. Yeah, I am my Juwan Johnson. But I did just, you know, a brief second ago, I saw, I, I, before we came on, I saw something about Foster Moreau possibly going to the Saints. But then I was like, doesn't he have... He has a medical issue, right? Yeah, but yeah. I but I saw the blurb and I was like, wait a minute, maybe it's just a ceremonial addition for later. I don't know, but for right now, like wheels up on Juwan Johnson. Like they didn't, sure. they traded Adam Troutman during the draft. They did not, you know, add someone else. Like how are how are people not all over him? And he's, let me see, I can. And look. it's not like the Saints are flush with targets in general, right? Chris Olave right? and then I question mean, marks. he is. So. I'm trying to find, I can't find him real quick. Of course, when I need to, he's like, That's oh, there he Der- is. Derek Carr 16. knows how to use a tight end. We know oh, that. He's tight end 16. So he's moving up a little bit. He is moving up. That is a um, little bit higher, but still, I mean, he's still pretty cheap for, you know, considering his situation. Um, Here's what I love about Kate Otten, Jen, and I'm just going to go back to Kate Otten. That's what I'm doing. So, um, Juwan <laughs> Johnson and Kate Otten. Like I'll tell you, I've been drafting him all all spring. Yeah. So I, you that, can, yeah, no. That's no the commentary here. That's 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 the note is Juwan Johnson and Kate Otten because Kate Otten had four games of double digit PPR points last year, and he was like the third tight end most of the season. And he he came into the draft as this guy is only a blocker. That's all he can do. So we already know he can get snaps, right? And then he got snaps and was like, whoa, he can catch and he can run routes. And Tom Brady really liked him, and Baker Mayfield I think is going to like him. So I, again, I don't think he's going to be a tight end five, but I think a tight end 15 top 15 tight end, I think is within the realm of, yeah, of possibilities I mean, for Kate Otten and where he's being drafted. Sure. Yeah. I wouldn't touch him in redraft, but, yeah, uh, yeah. best ball. Yes. I have plenty of Kate Otten. Uh, I'm, do you, do you ever draft two tight ends in redraft? You know, it's interesting that you say that because no. normally I don't, but I actually did in the mock that we did this weekend. Uh, because I drafted, I kind of ended up panic drafting Kittle like by accident. Um, the, we did, we did the mock on sleeper, which their ADP is totally different and their rankings are way off. And I didn't go through it ahead of time. And I got, I got sniped on the pick right before that. And it's only a 30 second clock. So I was panicking and I took Kittle and you know how I feel about Kittle. I like him, but mm-hmm. he he's not very me, reliable. Yeah. Very, very nervous for injury's sake. So I did grab Kincaid like in round 14 or 15, like one of my last picks. I just threw him in there um, just to have him. Uh, So normally, though, I do not take a second tight end. I will just stream. I mean, we all end up streaming anyway, right? If you don't have, I mean, that's just how it is. No matter who you take, whether it's, you know, Higby (laughs) or whoever you take, you're going to end up streaming anyway. So I usually only take one in redraft. Yeah, I'm the same way. I just curious. Okay, so uh we're actually coming up on time. I was worried we wouldn't have enough to that. talk about we're we cruising through. through. So uh we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> cross a lot off this list that we were gonna cut touch on, but let's hit those running backs. Let's hit the uh let's hit Zach Charbonnet and Devin Chain uh right now. Charbonnet enters that Seattle backfield. We can kind of talk Ken Walker as well. Walker's going now as the RB fifteen, which is a huge plummet available at pick forty four. Yeah. And Zach Charbonnet, RB thirty one at pick hundred and one. Uh, is it me or both of these a value? I think they're both value, and I'll take them both. But once again, as we talked about earlier, I will always take Seattle no. running back. We're the unofficial <laughs> Seattle uh, Seattle fan pod. Neither one of us are Seahawks fans. But no, we love these not guys. at all. But I will always take a Seattle running back. As long as Pete Carroll is there, I will always take a Seattle running back. Because not only does he establish, <laughs> and he runs and runs and runs, but they all get hurt there. I don't know what the deal is, right? So 
I mean, at this point, DJ Dallas, like they're all in play. I mean, Kenny McIntosh, my boy from Georgia, like I've taken him too. Like, I took my first Kenny McIntosh the other day. I thought of you, Jen. That's awesome. But yeah, I mean, listen, he's in play too, because God yeah. forbid, you know, you got Ken Walker gets hurt and Charbonnet gets dinged up. And all of a sudden we're, we're, we're in the DJ Dallas, Kenny McIntosh, you know, sweepstakes there. So I feel like they're all in play. And especially if, you know, people don't love Charbonnet's landing spot. So he's value because he's not getting, you know, he's his, he's, and then people, people are letting Ken Walker fall. So like you said, they're both value and I'll take them both. I mean, not at the same time, but I'll take them both. Honestly, you'll take them both the same draft. Really, because they're so far apart in ADP. Like if right. I had to take them back to back, like fourth and fifth round, like you had to do with Penny and uh, Walker last year, which I actually did that once. And that team worked out pretty well, <laughs> but I Walker and Charbonnet, I'll, I'll, I'll stack them both. I have don't have problem. I think both of them are going to get work. I think Walker's going to get those spike weeks, like especially in best ball. Like he's going to get those spike weeks because he's such a big home run threat every time he gets the ball. So we're still going to get a lot of play. And in the fourth round, like take him. I, I'm absolutely going to take him there. So it's it's interesting that he's fallen as far as he and has. I think, I, no, I agree. People are freaking out about the landing spot of Charbonnet and freaking out about Ken Walker. It's like, you've seen Pete Carroll, right? You've seen what he does. Like these guys are going to both get work. I mean, they'll probably <laughs> cannibalize each other a little bit, but at the yep. same time, like definitely better than a lot of other running back situations around the league. Yeah. Especially in best ball, like in redraft, yeah. I'm still interested in these guys, honestly, but probably a little more squeamish right. because we might have a, which week do you play him kind of situation. Yes. So. Uh, Devada chain to our beloved Miami dolphins. Uh, talk about this whole Miami running back room. Cause this is interesting to me. All these guys are pretty affordable and all of them could really produce. Yeah, they are all affordable. I mean, a chain like Mostert and, and Jeff Wilson have both fallen. Um, and a chain I think has gone up a little bit, but RB 35. I mean, yeah. And once again, you've got, you know, Mike McDaniel. I mean, he's comes from the Kyle Shanahan situation. So it's a little frustrating for redraft, right? I don't know that I want to touch any of them in redraft because you don't know who to play. Uh, but in best ball, I feel like all three are in play. And once again, you know, both Mostert and Wilson, you know, have spent time um, on the bench um, being injured. So, it's true. you know, a chain you know, he might be one of those guys that maybe doesn't start off the season, you know, earlier in this podcast, I was talking about those rookie running backs that come on strong at the end of the year. I feel like this could be that situation for a chain. Like he might start off slow and you might get frustrated from a redraft perspective, but watch out in best ball. Cause he might come on strong, you know, weeks 12 through, you know, 17 or whatever. So um, I like, I like all three and they're all at the moment affordable. I feel like a chain is, is somehow going to, going to creep up a little more. It's only been a week. I feel like, you know, once training camps open and we see the workload and we see what these guys can do, a lot of these ADPs are going to, you know, flip-flop, uh, you know, between Wilson, Mostert, and, and a chain. I think you're probably right. I'm grabbing a chain as much as I can because of that. I do think his ADP is going to go up to the point where I'm not going to be interested because he's not a sure thing. But he could be a league winner. I, I agree with you. Um, you know, Wilson and, uh, and Mostert trust their health at, at your risk. You know, I think a chain could really do it. Uh, lots of other rookie running backs. Just pick one that you like. Is, is any of those other rookie running backs that you might like at their ADP right now? Cause for you know, me, for me, it's Kendra Miller. I'm I was grabbing just going to say same. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't hate chase Brown either. I mean, we don't me know neither. what's going to happen with Joe Mixon. So chase Brown has potential there uh, to, you know, climb that depth chart pretty quickly. Um, and same with Kendra Miller. They're, they're both in really 
similar situations, right? The, the starter on that, in that backfield is potentially facing legal issues slash whatever. So um, both those guys might, you know, end up, there is one guy that you did not include on your little listy here that I wrote down ah. to talk about. Ah. Um, and that is Zach Evans. Uh, for oh. the Rangers. He is, Excellent. you know, RB 60 right now. His ADP is 202. And you're looking at Cam Akers, which, you know, I mean, what what do we do with Cam Akers, right? And then Kyron Williams, like that's it. So you've got this rookie guy. I mean, listen, once again, rookie rookies in, in for the Rams have burned us all, you know, in the past. But this guy, you know, Evans is super cheap. So why not throw him in the mix? Because uh, you never know. This one, this might be the year that a rookie running back sticks for the Rams, but we'll see. You never know. You absolutely never know. And then uh, Taishi Spears is interesting too because I think he does get some work there. But I I don't see him being. You know, a big, I was right. Yeah, guy. I was writing about him this morning. Um, as far as you know, we all want Titan, you know, backups to be good, and they just never are. Like it's, it's always Derrick Henry or nothing. Remember like, Hassan Haskins? Yes, Hassan Haskins, <laughs> Darrington Evans. Like we're all fired up about these guys, and then they yeah. don't pan out. <laughs> um, so that's the thing I'm tempering my expectations on Spears because we, I just, the history there is that, that backup to, to Derrick Henry, even when Derrick Henry gets hurt, it's like, I don't know. I mean, Dante Hilliard and, uh, or Dante Foreman and Dante Hilliard, like they, they both combined for okay. Um, that, you know, two years ago when, when, uh, Henry got hurt, but, uh, other than that, a whole lot of nothing, um, from, from backups in, in Tennessee. Let's uh I, I wanted to have a Chicago running back conversation. Let's save that for another day because okay. I, uh, that's going to be a fun conversation in general. Uh let's hit the wide receivers real quick, the remaining uh that next tier. I'll talk mm -hmm. about that second tier receivers. We saw a whole bunch of receivers go off the board in the second and third round. Uh talented players, interesting landing spots, and they're all available pretty cheap. They're all pick uh picks 130 to 180, uh wide receiver 59 to wide receiver 79. I'm talking Jonathan Mingo. Rasheed Rice, Josh Downs, we talked about briefly. Marvin Mims with the Broncos, Jaden Reed with the Packers. Uh, any of those guys really stand out to you as particularly good value? I I like them all. I mean, I, Rasheed Rice is interesting to me because I feel like he's been climbing draft boards. He he was on the uh, he was one of the, the the biggest risers in the wide receiver category, and um, I get a little nervous about that. You know, Chiefs. It's just tough. There's a lot of bodies there. And we Look, I, I bought happen. all the Sky Moore stock yeah. last year. I, I, still mean, owe, I still have the stock. I know. It's, it's very low right now. <laughs> so he's one that I'm kind of not super into, but he's on the best offense, you know, out of that group. So you're just like, okay. Um, but, you know, Mingo is interesting, I think, in Carolina because I think he's going to see the field right away. Uh, Josh Downs, similar situation. I feel like he's going to be that wide receiver three after – uh, Pittman and Pierce, right? And then Jaden Reed, same deal. I mean, he's he's competing with, you know, after Christian Watson, he's competing with Romeo Dobbs, who's super inconsistent, and two rookie tight ends. Yeah. So it's like if he can produce, he's going to produce. So I think they're all interesting, especially because they're all cheap. Yeah, and uh, you know, we had Derek Classen on last week, who did agree with you. Thought Josh Downs would would win that slot job immediately. Thought Jonathan Jonathan Mingo would play quickly. Uh, Jaden Reed's probably the one I'm targeting because he's the cheapest, and I do think he's going to be the wide receiver too. There, uh, maybe the Green Bay Packers offense. Maybe it stinks. I don't know, but we don't know. Yeah, we don't so, know. You know, we have it. no idea. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> uh, any interest in Marvin Mims? I he's the one I have a hard time drumming up interest in, but. Just yeah, curious. I can't. You know what's interesting though? In that offense, the one that I am interested in, who's even cheaper, is Tim Patrick because he has fallen off, right? They drafted Mims, and so Patrick he has um fell to, ridiculously. I can't remember because he was in that in that article I wrote this morning as well. He uh he had a, a pretty decent uh sl you know slide in ADP, and 
like Tim Patrick's good. Like I like Tim Patrick a lot. So, and he's cheaper than like Mims is, is, has, has, you know, leapfrogged him there in ADP. So um, I'm not really interested in Mims, but I'll take Patrick. And those trade rumors haven't exactly gone away. So maybe Sutton and Judy. Judy, Oh, right. right, right. So if those, if those trade rumors, you know, if anything comes to fruition and you took Tim Patrick as your last pick in best ball back in May like that. Yeah. There's also KJ Hamler too. And he'll be back too. Yeah. Hamler won't be back. (laughs) You don't think so? I I think Hamler is, is, I mean, uh, physically he'll be back. Like he's cleared to play. That's what I mean mean, is physically. Oh, you don't think I just, I mean, we've been, we've done this. I feel like he's been in the league for 47 years <laughs> and every year I think he's healthy every year. He's going to be healthy every year. He gets healthy and then he just isn't. So I hope the kid stays healthy. I feel bad for the kid. I just think he's one of those guys who's just never going to be available, unfortunately. So, um, but he's, he can run down the field very fast. So that's something he's, uh, he could do. Uh, and anyway, this was a blast, Jen. I'll, uh, I'll relieve you and let you have. Uh, the rest of your evening, I've taken up a full hour from you. I appreciate you, Jen. Any final thoughts before we go? No, not at all. Um, yeah. I mean, if you guys want more, you know, like I said, um, there is an article on 444 right now that I wrote this morning, the biggest risers and followers in ADP. I'd say like 85% of them are the rookies that we just talked about. So if you want more information um, on these rookies and all that, uh, their ADPs and where they were, where they are now, their fits, all of that, uh, go check that out. It is a free article. Excellent. Excellent. Go check that out and uh, follow Jen on Twitter, of course, at uh, Jen Aikens NFL. Follow me on Twitter at Two Guys Branding Listeners. Thank you so much for checking us out. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Become one of our YouTube members and get those loyalty badges. Thanks so much for checking us out and have a good day.